Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges and most importantly how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host Sandra Beck. Hey, this is Sandra Beck and I'm visiting today with Stephanie Dumont and we are talking about mommypreneurs, superstars and everything that goes with it. Welcome to the show, Steph. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be with you this morning. I am too. I am too. You know, the concept of, of mommypreneurs, it's funny. When I went and built my first company, Motherhood Incorporated, and I guess that was like 10 years ago now, and I was, you know, talking about having moms to work in the tech fields from home, it was such a foreign concept. And it was when everybody was going overseas for, you know, for certain things, and they still go overseas a lot for, for different things, but... I would say to my clients, you know, if you need a native English speaker, if you need a native American, you know, someone who knows the culture, um, which is one of the difficulties you have when you outsource overseas, you know, there's certain cultural differences, there's language differences, and especially when you're doing marketing and advertising, they're so specific to, you know, the American population or the English population or the Australian population, you know, what's appropriate in one uh, market may not be appropriate in another. I know American sales are very, very in your face and, you know, those don't, those kind of campaigns don't fly well in Australia or in, um, in England. We found that out the hard way Um, in trying to use, you know, English or Australian writers, even ghost writers, um, you know, created its own set of difficulties. So when I formed my company, everybody laughed and goes, oh, what's a bunch of bonds and pajamas? Right, right. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, no, not really. We're actually all very good at what we do. And, um, you know, 12 years later, my company's still, you know, going and running and thriving. But just the concept of putting the word mom in anything somehow you know, gave it this negative. And I'm like, moms multitask. Moms have to have leadership roles during the day. They have to have solid management skills. They have to have project management skills. They have to have negotiating skills. I mean, like, you know, it's so much easier stuff to go to work. Exactly. It is. It is. And, you know, what happens when we become moms is that I believe that we have some kind of like a a re-identification that occurs. We, we, we leave our old identity, you know, before we become moms. And then after we become moms, you know, we kind of become someone else. And, you know, that's not anything that's discussed anywhere. Um, nobody really has these kind of conversations. And, and like you were saying, you know, uh, moms have been, you know, people think that mom's jobs are easy and they just get to sit home and they don't do much. And so there's all these, you know, default assumptions about motherhood. And, you know, with the a mompreneur, interestingly enough, is is a mom who identifies a need, like 
pretty much all moms do, but she's a mom who identifies a need, she organizes, she manages, or she starts a business to fill a void. And, and I really like the, the French uh, definition of entrepreneur because it means one who undertakes or manages. And so, like you said, when we become moms and as our kids go through different stages of growth, we have to take on different responsibilities and we have to be present in certain places. And like you said, we have to do time management. And then there's this whole thing. Uh, in regards to, you know, sometimes after we become moms, I, I think certain women, if we have goals or a vision or certain dreams, um, I don't know if this happened with you, but a lot of times that gets kind of thrown by the wayside or, or we, you know, we forget about that because we get really consumed with motherhood mm-hmm. and, and that takes up, you know, we want to do it well. And so it takes up, you know, a majority of our time and our energy. So, um, you know, there's that whole aspect, too, of how, you know, once we become moms and, and go through these different stages of growth, I know you and I are in this teenage stage now where our kids are really busy. Yeah. And they're taking on these big schedules of their own, and we need to be available and, and want to be available to, you know, attend their events, um, to get them where they need to be if they're not driving yet, and, you know, and, and to help them create organization in order for their lives. So, um, you know, I, I think we just have to get really clear, whatever stage we're in of motherhood, it's like, you know, where am I right now? You know, what's going on? I think it's important for us to kind of analyze, you know, where are our kids at this phase? Where am I? And and we have to ask ourselves, number one, you know, what do I need right now? And, I, you know, this is a really simple question, but it's really super important is what do I need right now, you know, as the mom and, and as a mompreneur for a mom who wants to take on more and, you know, has certain things that she wants to accomplish out in the world. We need to stop and ask ourselves what we need. And then depending on where our kids are at, you know, whatever phase of life they're at, you know, if they're toddlers and, and, you know, just going into preschool or like, you know, you and I are with the teens, um, we have to figure out, too, we got to have conversations when we can with our kids about what they need. Right. Right. And so, you know, and, and our situations change after we become parents. So when I was, I, I wanted to tell you the story about how I became a coach, an executive coach and a life coach. And um, so I had finished and got my bachelor's in, uh, my bachelor's in social sciences. So I had a primary in sociology and two secondary degrees in political science and psychology. And at that time, I had a couple of sociological mentors that just kind of rocked my world. Uh, They made me, you know, kind of understand the meaning of life and put together all the pieces of puzzle for me. So I had made a decision at that time that I wanted to teach sociology, that I wanted to get my master's degree and then teach sociology um, at that level. And I, you know, obviously I wasn't a mom at that time. So my plan was to attend grad school in Los Angeles, and um, I was given the phone number of somebody who was carpooling 
up to L.A. from San Diego. So I called this guy out of the blue and, um, you know, he and I spoke for a few minutes and he had to put me on hold because he was at work. And when he put me on hold, there was this incredible seminar that was being played on the hold button. And it was like it was teaching you how to, uh, you know, how to be better in life. And so I listened to it for a few minutes. And then this guy that I didn't even know got back on the phone. And I said to him, you know, what do you do? What, you know, what do you do in your spare time when you're not going to graduate school in Los Angeles? And he said, oh, I'm a corporate coach. Um, you know, I work full time at this company. It's a motivational company in San Diego. And all of a sudden I said, do they need more? And he said, uh, actually, I, I think we do. And, you know, three days later, I had an interview with the company I was hired on the spot, and I just knew that I was supposed to go into coaching. This was a field that I wanted to go into, possibly after I got my graduate degree. So I immediately started going into uh, coaching. And so here's the clincher. Three weeks after I started my dream job, I found out I was pregnant. Wow. So I, I just, so I found out I was pregnant and I freaked out. Uh, I know other people have been in this situation before because this was my life's work. I had always wanted to do it. And uh, so I, I kind of panicked because I, you know, I was, I was excited to be pregnant because I, I had, you know, it was in my life plan to have kids. Um, but at that point there, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. So I just um, kind of was really quiet about it and I didn't say anything. And I'm sure like many other women who, you know, are pregnant and, and still want to do their work. That's another thing we could talk about is the fact that we have to, you know, sometimes be quiet about it in the beginning, which is unfortunate and that it's not just, you know, welcomed and, you know, reveled in the workplace. But, um, you know, so this was a big phase. So, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen in our lives. They can take turns. And so my commitment at this company was to be like become invaluable mm -hmm. and to become like this enormous resource and to do the best work that I could in that period of time so that by the time that I started showing that I would become a, a, an extremely valuable player there. And so, you know, I'm sure that you have had this experience before, too, is that life takes a lot of twists and turns. Yes, it does. Right? And we don't always know what's going to happen. And sometimes everything that we want uh, happens to us at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had this experience before. Oh, absolutely. Right? So um, this happened recently to, to uh, my new sister-in-law. And, um, you know, she was also, you know, out. She was actually trying to get her school approved uh, in the San Diego Uni Unified School District. And uh, also... Uh, once, as soon as she got approved, she was the first uh, charter school to get approved in this district in 15 years. She found out that she was pregnant with her first child. Wow. So, 
You know, uh, what? I need to take us to commercial break. Sure. We're visiting today with Stephanie Dumont, and we're talking about issues and concerns and considerations when we combine motherhood and careers. We call mommypreneurs. Whether you're working from home, you're a you're a work out of the house mom, you're a part time, full time. Um, we all face the same concerns. When we come after the break, we're going to talk more about these concerns. We're here today with Stephanie Dumont. I'm Sandra Beck. We'll be back after the break. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Got my dreams, got my life, got my love. Got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard on myself when there's so many beautiful reasons I have to be happy? Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's well, skunks are making the news again. Seems everyone has a skunk story. A friend of mine was dozing on the couch on her patio when she felt something furry brush up against her hand. She thought it was her cat until she smelled a terrible odor. I was petting a skunk, she told me. What's a word for shocked? Timey-wimey. In Colorado, a wildlife officer was called to help a skunk whose head was stuck in a peanut butter jar. After tugging for 10 minutes, they finally freed the critter and it ran away without spraying anyone. Guess that was a fair trade, otherwise known as quitter for quarter. In Minnesota, it's illegal to tease a skunk. What's a word for teasing a skunk? Tan-tan-tanning, port-wardling, and downright foolish. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, 
Hey, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm visiting today with Stephanie Dumont, and we're talking about moms plus work. And, you know, I I hesitate to use those words, Stephanie, because there's so much work already with motherhood. Right. (laughs) You know, it's like when somebody says they're a working mom, I'm always like, well, we're all working moms. It's just (laughs) a matter of, you know, what we're doing and how many, um, you know, how many hours we're doing. Yes. You know, I will say that, you know, there's there's also, I call them mommy wars, because when I was a full-time working mom, I had full, other full-time working moms, and we all understood each other. Well, then right. I became a part-time working mom, and then the full-time working moms were like, nah, you're not really a working mom, and then the stay-at-home moms were like, well, you're not really a stay-at-home mom. I was kind of like the experimental freak, and then, you know, for like a couple months, I decided, all right, I'm just going to be a stay-at-home mom, and I did that for a couple months, and, you know, that didn't work out economically right. for my family because, you know, I did go through a divorce, so, you know, that wasn't a a, a Um, an option. So then I built a company and I'm thinking, okay, so now I'm a full-time company owner working mom from home. And that created all sorts of problems because my stay-at-home moms wanted to drop by and chat and have a cup of tea or say like, you know, we could do laundry at your house and then we'll be fold and, you know, all really great things. And so I didn't fit in there. And then the, you know, I was trying to talk to my, my working friends that worked out of the office and they're like, well, you're not really a working mom. And I'm like, what the hell? Like I didn't fit in anywhere. And, you know, I realized that the label working mom is just stupid. I agree. I agree completely. And you know what? You told me that you uh, created your own group. And, you know, after a certain period of time, when you found that this group wasn't going to accept you and this group, you know, stopped by too much while you were trying to do work. Um, And I think that's how it goes. Um, You know, you and I talked about the importance of having a core group or belonging to a core group. And and I think that before we do that, we kind of really have to check in with ourselves and say, you know, who do I want to be and 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 who do I want to influence me? Like, who do I want around me? Because this is really, really important. And one of the things I wanted to tell you, there's a wonderful quote, Sandra, that I think that you will resonate with. And it says that it's the last mile is never crowded. Oh. That's right. Right? The last mile is never crowded. And, you know, you and I are like birds of a feather because I was also on that last mile. And, you know, I look around me and go, "Um, there's nobody here. I I don't know what I'm doing. So, and, and, you know, instead of you, you were were saying, you know, I'm kind of a freak and I'm I'm trying everything. uh, You really are a visionary and you really are a leader. And I see you, as many women, too, on the cutting edge and on the cusp of the next thing. So, of course, there was no category for you. Of course, there was no no box to check. Yeah, there wasn't a box to check. And there wasn't like a a mommy playgroup that had moms like you. I, I, I used to go to... When my daughter was in Girl Scouts, I think it was, or, you know, one of the other groups, I had nothing in common with any of the moms. And I did feel a little bit like a freak. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I don't, 
I, I, you know, I can sit and talk about whatever for a period of time, but then I'm like, come on, somebody's got to talk about something I'm interested in, please, you know, right. anyone. And there was like one mom that, that I had things in common with, and she was, um, she was somewhat Buddhist, and I was interested in her different spiritual principles, and and she left the group, and then I was just like, there was nobody. So, you know, this is a problem of, of mompreneurs. Um, so the good part about that is, is that mompreneurs can form their own masterminds. And I want to encourage mompreneurs um, or moms that just have different interests and are interested in doing other things or you know, like me, um, my life's work was like a baby to me. Was your work like that? Um, it was one of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the kids. So, and, and, and some moms don't are, like you said, with the mommy wars situation, you know, some moms say, think that's selfish for you know, moms to be a lot of judgment, right? A ton of judgment. So, you know, I, I think that really, We have to not listen to, you know, people are going to say stuff about you, whether you're doing things well or whether you're doing things poorly. People, unfortunately, are bored with their lives. This is this is my definition is that they're bored. They don't have anything good going on. And so they're just going to talk gossip. And, you know, one of the values um, and standards that I took on in my life, even when I was a mom, is that I wasn't going to participate in gossip. I wasn't going to listen to it. I wasn't going to care about it, and and I wasn't going to be a part of it. And um, I, I remember at one point, I remember being in some kind of a mommy play group, and um, the moms had, and this was another play group similar to what you were describing. I had nothing in common with any of the moms there except for the fact that we all had kids and we all wanted to be good parents, which is important. Um, but But, you know, interest-wise, hobby-wise, I didn't have anything in common with them. And I remember they were having some kind of an event on like a Friday night, and I told them I didn't think I could go. And one of the moms actually said out loud, you know, we're going to talk about you. And I just kind of looked at her like, uh, I, I, I think I said out loud, that may be one of the reasons I'm not coming. <laughs> and I think I, I think it came, I was like, is that my outside voice? But I think it came out of my mouth. And after that, I quit the group because I just, you know, I couldn't, I just didn't fit in and, and I didn't want to go back to, you know, a, a poor part of high school where people were talking about one another. We need to support each other. And, you know, if we're doing something different and if we're doing something unique, we need systems of support. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk about today because I wanted to go over some challenges that mommypreneurs face. And we've been talking about some of them. And so, you know, one of the first challenges is, you know, like I said, getting, uh, getting our own needs met because we're, we're so busy getting our kids to where they need to go or taking care of our kids when they're young, when they're infants and when they're toddlers. You know, when we're nursing, I mean... You know, when I was nursing, I, I don't 
remember doing anything else for like uh, a year and a half to two years of my life. I don't even remember anything else. I was, and I loved it. And that was my commitment. My commitment was to be the best parent I could be. And at the same time, there was this whole transition phase of, oh my gosh, you know, I was working outside the home in the, in the corporate place and, you know, doing my life's work and living my dream. And then I was coming home to be a mom and all of that, you know, was put on hold. Right. And so there's that big transition is, is how do I get my own needs met? I mean, sometimes it's just like, how do I get a shower? Yes. Right? Do you remember those days? Oh, I do remember those days. How I used I to lock one in a, my toddler, I would put him in a car seat in my living room and I would buckle him in because he was my climber and I couldn't trust him not to climb out of the playpen. So I would prop up, I would take this ottoman, turn it over on its side. I would take two car seats, like a booster seat and a little infant seat, <laughs> and I'd sit them side by side. So the wall was on one side, the ottoman was behind him. And then I put my, my, my tipper, the one that like, to tip his car seat over he was wedged between the wall the car seat and the ottoman and i would plug him in front of the tv buckled in and then i would run upstairs and take a shower and the reason i did that was because i left both of them in play pens they're like a year and a half apart i left them both in play pens and i went into the other room to do something i don't know what it was i was not even gone two minutes and my little one the climber the monkey he had climbed up i have a big armoire with side-by-side bookcases he had climbed up the bookcases he was sitting six feet off the ground on top of the armoire because he's calling me mom 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 and i'm like mom mom and i'm like looking around going where the hell is this kid and then i looked up and he's on top of your armoire yep just sitting up there like you know big flat screen tv or big you know one of those big tube tvs underneath it and he's just sitting up there like he was so proud of himself i could have killed him that's oh my gosh that's crazy yeah i remember that little i i remember having my kids in the in the vibrator seat you know, outside of the the shower and having like some really nice music playing in the vibrator seat. But it was like, how quickly can I like scrub myself down? Yes. And I had two of them. I mean, you know, I had two of them within a certain amount of time. And the other thing I used to use was a pup tent. And I would put some stuffed animals in and I would zip them in the pup tent. And then I would go in the kitchen and do the dishes, do all the things because I'd come out and one of them stuffing a French fry in the other one's ear. I can't. I cannot imagine having two as a I, single mom. I I cannot. I I spaced mine out specifically. My my first child was so active, and he was the, all the moms would like sit and have coffee, and I was just running. That's all yeah. I remember until the age of like seven. And God yep. bless him. He is the most amazing, you know, just stellar young man. Um, but I remember just running. I was busy. I couldn't do other things. And, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so happy I did, you know, do all this stuff with him because like I said, today he's 19 years old and he's just a really, really stellar young man. And, um, and so responsible. Um, and still, there are things to do with our kids. You know, you go through the phase of helping them to look for colleges and applying for colleges and taking their tests with school. And, you know, so every phase of our kids' life, you know, there are, there are different levels and, of responsibility and interaction and, you know, and, you know, checking in with them and making plans with them. And we have to redo this, you know, with every new phase of their life. It's really important. 
It is, it is. I'm going to take us to commercial break. We'll be back with more from Stephanie Dumont. Listen as your day unfolds. Challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may... Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. make gladden girls but they seem to burden guys that's what a recent study by live science says women respond with happy gratitude when they receive a present but when a man unwraps a gift he immediately feels a sense of obligation to the giver even those women who really don't like getting presents are pretty good at faking a smile what do you call a person who fakes a smile an exodesiast according to psychologists men tend to keep mental notes of what they got from whom and check it against their own generosity. Women, on the other hand, take gift-giving much less seriously. I guess ever since Eve gave Adam the apple, there's been trouble between sexes about gifts. Have you ever unwrapped a G-Food Jet? That's another name for any gift you'd just rather put in the garbage. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Ah, oh, I just had some hot chocolate because talking about all this makes me exhausted. This is Sandra <laughs> Beck, and I'm here with Stephanie Dumont. And, um, you know, I think kids are all different, and everybody says that, but you don't know it till you either have multiple children or you take other children into your household. And uh, a couple years ago, one of my very dear friends broke her hip in Australia on the Great Barrier mm. Reef, and her husband... Uh, was deployed to Okinawa, and I live in Los Angeles. So I answered the door one night, and um, there's a man standing out there with his son going, saying, I don't know what else to do. You know, this my son only wants to come and stay with you, and my wife is going to be in Brisbane for three months. I'll be in Okinawa, so can you take him? You know what wow. do you do? Of course you take them. And I'm like, really? I'm a single mom, soul-supporting. I've got two kids. Okay, come on in. We'll just make it work. Um 
the interesting thing was I had my two monkeys and then this kid comes in who's so zen and he would play with his matchbox cars. He would play with his matchbox airplanes. He would sit quietly in the corner and read his book and I would just look at him and go, is this even possible? And I thought it was like just the first week that he's like a little bit in shell shock because he's away from his parents. And I'm like, week number two, and he's building his model airplanes. And, you know, week number three, he's kicking the ball and playing with the dog. And, you know, nothing. Like, no, nothing my kids do. He didn't draw on the walls. He didn't eat things that he shouldn't. He didn't shove stuff up his nose or poke things in his ears. (laughs) And I was like, you know, there really is some truth to, you know, every child is different. And, you know, the parenting styles, which was wonderful, were very similar because he's like, you know, Miss Sandra, he goes, he goes, this is the way we do it in our house. He's like, you know, and he would talk to his mom and dad on the phone and say, you know, it's just like home. It's just like home. So I'm thinking, okay, it can't be me, the parent. Um, But there are just some kids that are more needy, more difficult or in my case, more monkeyish than others. They got yeah. a monkey with everything. Absolutely. And, and as they, you know, with each stage that they go through as they get older, you know, their, their focus changes and their needs change. And that's why we have to check in with them all the time. I mean, it's just, it's really important because, you know, as you know, the world is changing fast Right. And our kids, uh, you know, what they're, you know, they have so many different things that they are even informed about that we were, you know, when when they were kids. They have so many. I I think that kids nowadays have so much more pressure on their shoulders, really, because, you know, with the Internet, I mean, they're finding out about stuff that's going on all over the world. Well, and there's finding out a lot about a lot of other stuff, too. Like, my kids can tell you about all the different drugs. They could tell you how to make a bomb. They could tell you about all different kinds of sex. Like, things I didn't even know. I didn't even know what these words were. They're like, Mom, you don't know what means. Right? No. And then I looked it up, and I'm like, Right? (laughs) Us, too. And so, you know, and they're they're just so much more evolved. Like I always say to my, I have a a 15 year old daughter. Oh my gosh. And I say, sweetheart, you are so much more mature than I was at 15 years old. I mean, I, you know, I, I think I knew something at that time, but compared to, you know, how wise she is, our kids are wise. Don't you agree? This generation just knows what's going on. They, I'm going to say that they are knowledgeable, yeah. but I have grave concerns because the emotions, you can't fake emotions. You can't push emotions faster. And I worry about, you know, I see the texting that goes on and I see the conversations and I do it myself. I mean, I'm like the cheater mom. And, you know, I was busted on this at the volleyball game because my one son wanted something and I, my other son, the one that wasn't playing. And I said no to him in public. And then my phone lit up and he's like, why not? And I'm like, look, you know, it's not good for you. I, I, I don't have any extra cash right now. The snack bar only takes cash, so drop it. And we were having this fight, you know, sitting two rows away on the benches. Yeah. 
And we do do that a lot in our household. Like when my kids have difficult things to tell me, I'm like, just send it to me in a text. And I said, you know, let me know it's coming. And I'll go in my room and give me two minutes. I love that. See, and I thought it was like, I got busted by these parents. They're like, that's ridiculous. You have to have these face-to-face conversations with your kids. And, you know, and I thought, well, I'm not good. I'm bad at confrontation, Stephanie. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I'm not invigorated by it. It actually makes me cry. So to have these conversations with my kids via text, we're still exchanging information. And then when it's done we're better able to talk about it because I have a hard time articulating when I'm an emotional state. Right. My boys are boys. So they're, you know, they're not great with their emotions on a good day. And then, you know, it's just cleaner. There's no name calling. There's no eye rolling. You know, we just fire back and forth and then we, we, we regroup. It, you know, everybody does things the way that's good for them. And, you know, like you've said before, when we know better, we do better. And if you know that you do better by getting information in advance and being able to digest it for a couple of minutes before you go into a conversation about it, you know, I think that's extremely wise. Because, like, you know, with with me, with my kids, um, I know sometimes they share things with me, and my husband is a, is a great model. He's an organizational psychologist, and he's worked with a lot of worked with teens who had difficulty for a long time. So he's taught me a lot. Um, and so when my kids share things with me sometimes that are really difficult, uh, you know, it feels to me like I'm being punched in the stomach sometimes. I'm sure with the information that you're being given because it's so heavy. But I know in that moment I've learned that I just kind of like nod my head and I try to keep my expression on my face as neutral as possible. And Sandra, I do not have a poker face. I really no, don't I have one. I'm bad. I wear my emotions on a sleeve like you. And I'm an expressive, you know, I'm, I'm an outgoing person. And so, so my kids have shared some stuff in the past that has really just blown me away. And there are problems that they have gone through or problems of good friends of theirs that they've had to witness. And they're sharing it with me. And I just know it's like my thought to myself is, you know, Stephanie, you've got like one shot at receiving this information well. Yeah. Because we do freak out. If we do, you know, go down the wrong, you know, the rabbit hole, I think our kids are going to be less likely to share stuff with us in the future. That's heavy duty because they're like, well, I can't go here because, you know, I know how that's going to go. Yep. Like my one son told me something about we have a, a common my I'm really good friends with the mom and dad and the daughters his same age. And she was going to go. Um, after school, tell her mom she was going to the library, then she was going to sneak off with this boyfriend. And this boy, you know, she's 13 and the boyfriend's 19. And you know, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. I was out that door as soon as my son said it at the, you know, the table after school, sitting down, he he hadn't even taken a bite in his sandwich. I was in my car because I know both her parents. I know both of them work. I know this girl. I know it's going to be bad. I shot down to that library. I ran around the fence. I found him walking down the, (laughs) and I'm like, you get in this car right now. Like, oh, you're so good. 
Well, you know, it, it. here's the thing. Did it save this little girl from going away with a man who's six years older than her? And she thinks she's in love and she's 13. And, you know, yes, was it good? But the thing was, then my boys are like, well, mom, we don't want to tell you anything. Because right. you're going to go on our friends. <laughs> and, well, and and I have been in, a, in similar situations. And so, and there does come a point where you do you need to take action um my you know i uh, a friend of my daughter's was in trouble and kept telling her uh how depressed he was and they kept sharing information with her and then got to a point where he was starting to share information with her that was making her nervous Mm. and her father is a firefighter and in, you know, emergency medical services. And she ended up saying, hey, dad, I'm a little bit nervous about something I'm hearing from a friend. It sounds different than I've heard before. And, you know, she was nervous about what he was going to do with the information, but she just knew it was the right thing to do. And so her father ended up calling this this teen's parent and saying, I really need you to check in with your child. And it ended up really uh, it, it could have actually saved this kid's life. So, you know, there we do have to make certain decisions. I do believe that, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is like trusting ourselves, that, that moms need to trust themselves. And, you know, sometimes we need to think about it and kind of get quiet. But all of us have intuition and we need to check in with ourselves and really get clear on, um, you know, how to take action. And sometimes we, we, you know, can sit down with our kids. Like you said, there's this concern that they're not going to share things with you in the future. And so we need to sit down with our kids and say, okay, you know, we need to come up with a solution about this. Is there something we can do that meets your needs and meets mine? And, you know, see if you can work it out. And, you know, we need to talk to our significant others, our our spouses about what's going on. My husband is like the, you know, the ultimate problem solver. And especially in parenting, I mean, he just shows up so beautifully for me. And um, I love to talk through things with him. So it helps to be able to talk through things with, you know, you can seek the counsel of a good friend or, you know, a, a family member that you're really connected to or, or, or your significant other. It's really important that we rely on people and reach out. Yeah. Well, because it's like, who knows? I mean, you know, I still stand by, you know, running after and chasing these, you know, two people down. Um, And the parents were appreciative, you know, so, you know, it all worked out for the good. But I also think that kids bring things up to a parent because they don't know what to do. And even though they may not like you, you know, going Rambo on their friends, they brought it up for a reason. So we're visiting today with Stephanie Dumont. Um, And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about, you know, some of these challenges that we have with raising our kids and then depending on other kids because we're out of the household and we might be the only income the family has. We'll be back after the break. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. I am beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can bring 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's Have you ever walked into a room on a mission to get something and totally forgot what you went in there for? I do it all the time, which makes me feel like a total sieve head, as the Brits would say. Some might blame it on old age, but a recent study reported in the Quarterly Journal of Experimental Psychology suggests the simple act of passing through a doorway causes memory lapses. It appears the brain regards a doorway as an event boundary and effectively files away whatever you were thinking about as soon as you step through. What's a word for the feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Neuclepia. So, what's the solution? Try carrying an object that reminds you of the task. For example, if you go into another room to get a pair of scissors, carry the object you want to cut. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can bring you down. Hey, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm visiting with Stephanie Dumont. And this week, Stephanie, I think it's the week before spring break, so, you know, the yeah. moon is full and, you know, all teachers turn into werewolves. And <laughs> somehow we had, like, projects due, we had varsity games, we have had concerts coming up, you know. All these things converged at once, and yeah. um, normally I take care of everything, but I had an event at my company that I was hosting. It's not like I can't be there and be the host. I had, you know, two big projects that came, you know, a confluence of events, and so... As a result, I had to reach out to, and of course, my ex-husband's out of town, and um, mm, so I'm geez. reaching out to like five different friends to pick up my kids, drop them yeah. off, do what needs to be done, and I'm in a, a rural community. I'm in a ranching community, so houses are far apart. It's not like you can you can just pop over and run a kid, so it's kind of a big deal to ask them to pick up and drop you know, kids off because of the distance and the time. And my friends are always willing to help me. They are so wonderful. They almost wonderful. never say no unless it's absolutely impossible. They do know how hard I work as a single soul supporting mom. And, um, you know, the long and short of it was I had to ask five different friends on five different days for five different favors and then three different sports parents to take my kids home. I had so much guilt and so much shame, and I felt mm. the stigma of being a single parent, um, having to need all this help from everybody. And, you know, my friends are so great. They're like, we love to help you. We want to help you. But on my end, it's like, oh, my God, epic failure. Like, you know, 
you you can't do it alone. You you need you need all this help. And the truth is I do. But it's the beating up of myself of you need all this help. It's not the logic that says, hey, you know what, two kids, sports, law, all these things. The parents want your kids to play. They need them to field a team so they're willing to help get over it. It was me beating up me. So I you're gonna this is a decision that you make uh, at some point in time that you you know you have like you said your work is also like another baby it's another child it's really important to you and your kids are important to you and i think as long as you know you have the discussion with your kids and you let them know how much you love them and care about them and that you need them to work with you on this that you need extra help you need support and a lot of times we're going outside of our family, like you said. You know, everybody's out of town and or you don't live close to family. And first of all, I mean, be grateful that you have these good friends. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that is just such a gift. And, you know, I don't we we need these good friends. Look, if somebody is going to be a good friend, if you're going to like take in your your friend's kid Um, when your friend is unavailable and you're that kind of friend, you deserve that in return. You deserve to have reciprocation. Uh, This is really important. And I think you just have to come to terms with the fact that in order for you to be a mom and live your dreams at the same time, which is, you know, the whole subject matter we're focusing on today, that you have to have this just understanding with yourself that you need this extra support. And so maybe, it, you know, like I had a situation recently where this one family kept driving my daughter uh, to a volleyball tournament up in Irvine. And it just so happened that every time it fell on this day that I had something else really big going on and I couldn't take her, you know, this, this became a few times and, and I was embarrassed. I started to get embarrassed about it. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And so I just made a decision and I went to Trader Joe's and I bought a gift card for like, I don't know, $30 and I, you know, I, I picked out a beautiful bottle of wine and I put it in a bag. And that morning when my daughter went to be driven by this family, you know, for like the third time to her tournament, I sent her with gifts. Oh, that's a great idea. And boy, did that make me feel, I didn't feel guilty anymore. And the parents freaked out. They're like, what? Oh my gosh. You know, we love to go to Trader Joe's. And so it's little things. You know, you can offer to, um, you know, make dinner for people, for friends. You know, you, you can say, let me have you over for dinner on Friday night. You know, I really appreciate what you're doing. Or, you know, giving back in a really small way, I think, can take away, it did for me, took away the, the you know, guilt of th- these people yet yet again driving my kid. And so... um I also think we just need to make an agreement with ourselves that we are we are not going to feel bad, that we're not going to worry about it. Yeah. And I think in addition to that, we also have to be honest with the people that we're asking favors from. I think we need to say, you know what, I know I asked this of you, you know, a few months ago. And um, if there's something I can do for you in return. Um, you know, can I return the favor and then let them know when or how? 
or just say, if there's something I can do for you in return, I think really takes the sting out. Yeah. It really takes the sting out. So, um, yeah. Well, and then the funny part of this ourselves. whole thing was then my one son gets sick and then I had to cancel four people. <laughs> yeah, and like, that's you know parenting. what? There's sometimes we are not in, you know, a lot of times we're not in control Oh, always. and you just, right. You just, you don't know what's going to happen and, and you've got to just go with the flow. I mean, this is another big thing, especially about mommypreneurs and, and people who do work outside the home or even just moms. You just never know how something's going to go. Yeah. And so you just kind of have to go with the flow. And, you know, I, I, for me, transparency is key. And, you know, just we're sometimes we're embarrassed to say something and we just have to find we have to we have to like, you know, woman up. We have to like put on our big girl panties and just be honest about it. I mean, for me, if I, I guilt for me, it doesn't I, I've decided a long time ago it's just one of the standards I did not want to have. I, I kind of made an agreement that guilt didn't have a place for me in my life or if I did feel guilty about something. It, it was a call to action. And so I use guilt as a call to action. So if you're feeling shame or, or, or some other negative emotion, um, you can look at it. You can kind of reframe it. If you're, if, you're, if you're kind of replaying the tape, if you're replaying right. the tape over and over again, and I just say, oh, okay, there must be something I need to do here because this tape is continuing to play. It doesn't make me feel good. It's not what I want. And so I have to do something different. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, honestly, empowering yourself is, is a very important step in, in becoming a mommypreneur. Because, you know, the, it's like the buck stops here. And, and it starts here. And if I don't trust myself and I don't believe in myself, how am I going to do anything? Yeah. And so this really is number one. Um, you know, is to just check in with yourself and, and we need to ask ourselves like, you know, who do I want to be right now or who do I need to be? And then we can look at, you know, role models in our lives. Right. We can think about people that we look up to. How do they handle these things? You know, what are, what are they doing? And, you know, the other thought that's very important about that is, you know, with, with empowering ourselves Everything in our life, Sandra, starts with a thought. And so we need to ask ourselves, like, are we thinking positively or are we thinking negatively? And, you know, gosh, I think I, I did research on this recently. And I think we have somewhat of between like 70, uh, 70 and up thoughts in our head per day. Wow. 70,000 to like 90,000 thoughts a day. So it's really important for us to pay attention to the quality of our thoughts. You know, it's like, you know, we've been taught in our society, we've been taught that, you know, we need to worry about things and we make, you know, we're, we're our greatest obstacles, right? Right. We get in our own ways. And so it's really important for us to analyze the quality of our thoughts and, you know, and, and work on that first. We need to work on that first. And we need to gather ourselves around people who understand that. We want to surround ourselves with people who, you know, think good thoughts, 
because our thoughts turn into our, you know, what we're saying, our words, and then our words turn into our actions. Mm. So, you know, part of, part of um, what I wanted to talk about today is this, you know, the idea of the mommypreneur mastermind. So I lead these mastermind groups of people. And what we do is put them together with a, a group of like-minded people. And these people are focused on taking action and creating results and new levels in their lives. And when, when these women are working together on a weekly basis in a small group, they have support, they have ideas, they have ingenuity from a focused and driven board of directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in a mastermind group allows us to see and interpret things differently than we would on our own and to get new perspective because all of us have very similar challenges you know, that we're going through. This helps us to respond to challenges. It can help us to set better goals and it can help us to create plans and take action steps for how we want to get there. Mm. So, I mean, isn't that valuable? Very, very valuable. Yeah, this is really important. And, you know, with mastermind groups and with coaching, people can actually move forward. Moms can move forward uh, in half the time that they would if they were doing something by themselves. You know, and this is in addition to their responsibility as parents, as, you know, finding out, like, you know, what do we really want to do? What What's our vision? What's our legacy? What do we want to leave behind? Right. You know, these, yeah. So these are some of the really important questions that um, we need to look at and answer for ourselves and, and on top of doing everything else that we're doing. Right. On top of everything else. Right. Sorry, that's me clunking my head into the microphone. I was just trying to get a pen so I could go over. How can people reach you, Stephanie? We have about 30 seconds. Yes. So I have a blog called Conscious and Carefree, and you can go to BeCarefree.com. That's the letter B, the word carefree.com. And you can sign up for our weekly blog. You can get blasts every week for how to live a more joyful and productive life. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood Talk